Now, first of all, I want children to love it here at church. Sunday school will begin again, as I said, on September 11th. If the children want to stay right where they are, I will try to make the sermon happy and fun and talk right to you. If you feel like you need to move to the sanctuary, there's some coloring pages back there and some snacks. Please make yourselves at home. And let us listen together as God's people for a story about a boy. Listen for God to talk to this boy and say, don't say to me, I'm only a boy. Why do you think God would say that? I think because he knows that young boys can do amazing things, young boys and young girls. So let us listen for the word from the prophet Jeremiah in the first chapter. Now the word of the Lord came to me saying, before I formed you, In the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. Then I said, Ah, Lord God, truly I do not know how to speak, for I am only a boy. But the Lord said to me, Is anyone listening? Do not say to me, I am only a boy. For you shall go to all whom I send you, and you shall speak whatever I command you. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you to deliver you, says the Lord. Then the Lord put out his hand and touched my mouth, and the Lord said to me, Now I have put my words in your mouth. See, I have appointed you over nations and over kingdoms to pluck up and pull down to destroy and to overthrow, to build and to plant. God says, I have consecrated you. I have appointed you. And today it occurs to me that baptism is like this. There is nothing quite like it in our life together as a congregation. What a gift that babies should be born into our community. What a gift that their parents would bring them here for all of us to share in the joy and delight of them, in their newness, in their possibility. What a gift that we can acknowledge the reality together that each and every one of us is a gift from God. And in the ways we are present to one another, we are God's gift to each other. All cultures have ways of welcoming and naming new babies. And all churches probably put their own stamp on the welcome. But at the very heart of it, being baptized in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, one God and mother of us all, is one baptism which is recognized by all other churches. It is the acceptance and invitation to a life of freedom in which we are called to be who we are consecrated, and appointed to be. My parents like to tell me that when I was baptized by the Reverend Ann Abernethy, she said that to be me was to be unique in all the world. And she said it like this, June Adele, to be you is to be unique in all the world. Niccolo Mark, To be you is to be unique in all the world. Nova Gale. To be you is to be unique in all the world. And it is true for each and every one of us. Charlie, Sam, Sabina, 
Frank, David, to be you is to be unique in all the world. To elaborate on that anonymous quote, how miraculous that the God who created the universe, mountains, rivers, streams, waterfalls, butterflies and crickets, orca whales and black holes, looked at the cosmos and decided there had to be one of you also. Imagine that. The world needs you. Just the way you are. Now, we might wake up in the morning and think we are unique in ways that we don't like. We are unique in ways that we wouldn't choose. We are unique in ways that might bother us. We might think we are unique in ways that slow us down. But we are uniquely created with gifts according to the world's need. In our scripture, God tells the prophet Jeremiah, Before I formed you, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. And when Jeremiah tries to make excuses, tells him, Don't say to me, I am only a boy. God has a role for each of these baptized ones to play, and for each of us. It does not matter how new you are here on this planet or how long or short your time is, you have a mission and a purpose. Before this sounds too much like cotton candy and gives you all toothaches, I have to say that baptism is not for the faint of heart. It is a dangerous business. I remind parents that we do not believe here at First Church that baptism is like a golden ticket to heaven. You do not get to the pearly gates and say, I'm baptized. In fact, if getting into heaven looks anything like pearly gates, I truly believe that all are loved equally by God, baptized or not. So what is the point? What is it exactly? What makes baptism special if God loves us all the same? Well, I would say that it's more like accepting a job offer to a very challenging position for which you are entirely unqualified and underprepared. Does that sound like fun? And accepting that job without God allowing you to make a single excuse. There are no excuses. You can't say, but I'm too this or I'm too that. God doesn't care. God says, you can do it because I am with you. It is also a promise to be part of the body of Christ and to serve the world on Christ's behalf, which is also not for the faint of heart. In this tradition, we believe in the priesthood of all the baptized. My job as an ordained minister is to support all of you in your ministry in the world. You become Christ to the world in all of the ways you share and show love. A kingdom of priests and a holy nation is what God asks us to be. 
as it says in both the Hebrew Scriptures and the New Testament. So baptism is the acceptance of that role into the priesthood. A person who breathes in and knows that their lungs are filled with the Holy Spirit. A person who is open-hearted to the needs of the world and seeks to undertake that work regardless. This is the mission we signed these little ones up for. Imagine. Thank God we carry this out in community with a group of intergenerational people, siblings in Christ who might be older than your grandparents, siblings in Christ who for some of you are even younger than your grandchildren. Baptism is an acknowledgement that we cannot raise children alone. And if having a third baby doesn't show us that, you become outnumbered, surely having twins shows that you need a village. We are social people who were never expected until now, I think, in human history to be everything and everyone in one nuclear family unit. There is a reason we need elders in the church for the well-being of the children. When we make promises to be in community with one another, we can only live them out because of this intergenerational relationship. So let's turn to our second reading, our gospel lesson from Luke, and may God bless the reading and the understanding of this word. Now he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath, and just then there appeared a woman with a spirit that had crippled her for 18 years. She was bent over and was quite unable to stand up straight. When Jesus saw her, he called her over and said, woman, you are set free from your ailment. When he laid his hands on her, immediately she stood up straight and began praising God. But the leader of the synagogue, indignant because Jesus had cured on the Sabbath, kept saying to the crowd, there are six days on which work ought to be done. Come on those days and be cured, but not on the Sabbath day. But the Lord answered him, you hypocrites. Doesn't each of you on the Sabbath day untie his ox or his donkey from the manger and lead it to water? And ought not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, who Satan had bound for 18 long years, be set free from this bondage on this Sabbath day? When he said this, all his opponents were put to shame, and the entire crowd was rejoicing at all the wonderful things being done by him. Sometimes it bothers me when we have no names and too few details about the people in the scripture, but then I remember that sometimes I think the gospel writers recorded it this way so that you can read yourself into the story. And can you? Can this nameless woman be you? Where were you, if you're even over the age of 18, which many of you are not, but where were you 18 years ago? How old were you then? Where were you living? What were your highest hopes and dreams? What were your biggest fears? And what would you have said then, 18 years ago, was your mission? And then can you imagine having been bound the entire time since then, having not even been able to watch your life pass you by, so bent over in agony, that you could only see the bugs crossing the dirt on the path in front of you. 
Had this woman given up on her dreams? Had she given up on her God-given purpose? But Jesus sees her, and he refuses to leave her this way. Just as God says to Jeremiah, don't say to me, I am only a boy. You can do this because I will be with you. Jesus' actions tell the woman, don't say I am unable, I am broken, I am bent, I am weak, I am ill, I am unloved, I am unlovable. No, he restores her as a valued member of the community. He sees her and he sees you. Whether you have been asking and seeking or not, he sees you. Friends, what has been holding you back in your life? From what trap do you long to be set free? And why are you uniquely you? Why did God look at the cosmos and decide that you needed to be in it? It was not complete without you. Before you were formed, what was God's dream for you? Close your eyes. See Jesus there before you. You did not even see him coming. You were not looking his way, but suddenly there he is. Hear him suddenly say to you, be free. The world is waiting for you to be the one God has called you to be. To be you is to be unique in all the world. Thanks be to God.